Welcome to Podcaster News Show, episode 41. This is the podcast where we cover recent podcast news items that weren't quite enough on their own to be covered on the podcasternews.com blog. My name is Sean Thorpe, and I am joined by... I am Jen Thorpe. And what is the first item on our list today, Jen? The first item is an article called Three Quick Ways to Improve Your Podcast Episode Titles. It's written by Charlotte Micklewright for the Spreaker blog. And, you know, you got to love these articles that are like three something somethings to do this with. You know what I mean? Yeah. That fit that Mad Libs type format. I think everybody glances at those and goes, oh, okay, let me see that. You know, that kind of thing. Um, so she's got some pretty good ideas in here that make a lot of sense to me. Um, one of them is uh, use catchy keywords, you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, the idea being that it's a good way to get people to go, oh, I wonder what that's about, hmm, and, and then click on your podcast episode. Sure. Um, you know, it gets attention. You've seen it, like, um, somewhere in here, she says, you know, there's a reason why you see titles like, quote, you won't believe how this entrepreneur turned his cash into millions all over the web, because people go, oh, I want to do that. Yeah. You know, I want to learn how to do that. So they click on it. So if you have like a catchy kind of title, that helps. Um, but she also says that it will help with search engine optimization for your blog. So when you have the title on the blog there, someone might pick up, you know, if your phrase was, you know, uh, something like how to turn your cash into millions, someone's going to type that into, you know, Google or a search engine somewhere and your episode might, you know, come up or the blog would is what I think she's getting at, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I thought that was kind of interesting. And she also says, you know, if you've got, if you do an interview podcast, put the guest's name in the title. Yes, very important. Which is something, you know, I, I wouldn't think about actually, but it's a good idea because that way, you know, somebody else who likes that person, whether they're a famous person or whether they're an internet famous person or something, if they have their own podcast or their own following, if you put that person's name in there, then people are going to come looking for that because of your guest. And that might open up your audience. And I like, uh, there's a part in here. The, the header is structure, numbering, and number of words. Now, she says try and keep podcast episode title uh, concise, which is fine. Fitting in five words or less, okay, I can see the wisdom in that. I kind of feel like, I don't know, if you need more than five words, that's okay. But one of the things that I think is important here is she talks about having as we do when we release episodes of Podcast or News Show, we have the show title first followed by the episode number. Mm -hmm. And a good reason to do that is a lot of the apps that people use to listen to podcasts will only display so many characters in an episode title. So if you know they'll only display say, I don't know, uh, 30 characters, and the first half of that, and she gives an example, uh, there's a tendency to entitle episodes like chapters, example, episode one, how to write a great title. Uh, the numbering in itself is not an issue. It's helpful uh, for podcasters as well as listeners, but considering the limited space, you want to make sure your, your keywords aren't getting lost, and then she has an example, episode one, how to W-R-I-T dot dot dot. 
and uh, she references Daniel J. Lewis of Audacity to Podcast and his recommendation, which I think is a good one, to shift the number to the end of the episode title because the thing about that is the episode titles or the episode numbers generally mean more to podcasters than they do to listeners. It's it's really just kind of a fact. And if you are hoping that the way that you title your episodes is going to potentially get new listeners, because a lot of times when people search really for anything online, regardless of the platform, but I think especially if they're searching for podcasts, say in a directory like iTunes, they are searching with certain keywords in mind. And if you're, you know, maybe you have that keyword in the title of your episode, but if it's cut off, then people are probably going to skip over it and go to an episode from another podcast where that keyword is is clearly displayed. And if it's being cut off because as she's... uh given the example here, episode one, colon, how to W-R-I-T, dot, dot, dot. Well, then there's a chance that uh, that person searching is going to go listen to another show instead of yours. And I also wonder with that specific example, like your thing, you know, the example is how to write a great title. So this is about writing something. When it comes to how to writ, this is a legal (laughs) thing now, you know, so you're going to get a totally different search engine optimization kind of thing going on there possibly, um, depending on, you know, how that goes. But yeah, I, I agree that it makes more sense to put, you know, what your podcast episode is about and yeah. then stick the episode number on the end there. So people that want to know, you know, what episode is that they can. Yeah. And I think the idea of putting keywords in a title is important, especially if you're doing something that's very topical or certainly, definitely, absolutely. If you're doing an interview Put the name of the person you're interviewing in the title. That is super important. See that that's it makes so much sense, and it never occurred to me. Well, you know that is a scenario that I think happens a lot, where people search for, you know, podcasts are a great way to consume interviews because they're audio, and you can just listen to them while you're doing anything. And I'm sure there are a lot of people who think, "Wow, uh, this is someone I really like. I'd love to know more about them." So I'm going to go search for podcasts that interviewed them. And, uh, you know, the obvious keyword there is going to be the person's name. Right. Mm-hmm. So that that's good consideration. But there's a section here, uh, focus on your audience. It's tempting to come up with a cute title, maybe with an inside joke or a pun. And I thought about, well, that's kind of how we do it that's here. That's kind of how but, we do it here, kind of how we've done it on some other shows but too. Mm-hmm. for podcast or news show, really the the main keyword I think people are going to look for to find our show is actually in the title of the overall podcast, not so much in the episodes. I think that's true. I suppose from this particular point of advice, we're not doing the right thing. But on the other hand, the only option we would have, I guess, would be to try and make some sort of weird, you know, conglomerate titles based on whatever we think the key themes in these articles would be, which would just be a mess. I think that would be more difficult. (laughs) Yeah. And there's no way we're going to, like we typically talk about like five articles each time. Like how are you going to squeeze all that into a tiny little five word title Mm -hmm. and have it make any sense, you know? But um, with what she's saying down here with, you know, uh, part of what she's saying is it's, you know, keep in mind, it's not just your regular audience that reads your titles. 
you know, if you have like a, if you put like a broad topic in there of what you actually talked about, then it'll help appeal to a wider audience. I agree and disagree. It depends on your topic. Yeah. You know, like you just said with ours, but um, like if you're doing a video game podcast, right. And you're talking about the latest change to that video game that has gained some controversy in the video game player world, you could put like a very short little thing referring to that. And everybody's going to know what that is. You know, yeah. your audience and your potential audience who haven't found your show yet are going to know exactly what that thing is. They've probably heard people on their social media that play video games talk about it or mention it or, you know, that kind of thing. And they probably play that game. So they're looking, you know, they're going to look at that and go, okay, yeah, I know what that is. I want to hear what that person has to say about it. Or I want to hear what lots of other gamers have to say about it. People that don't play video games, it doesn't matter what you put they're still not, you could put like a very generalizing topic. They're still not going to dig your show because they don't play that game. Yeah. You know? Next up, we have introverts are redefining podcast and career success. And this was written by Sarah Rhea Werner for Forbes. What do you think about this one, Jen? Well, I'm not an introvert. So it doesn't directly relate to me, but I, I skimmed it. You are. So maybe what you think about it might be more important to start with. I mean, I'm not an introvert. You know, I don't really like being in crowds too much, but that's because I have allergies and people insist on wearing scented products. You know what I mean? You know, yeah. I'm not really concerned. Like I used to be a substitute teacher. I can go into a room and, you know, talk to a bunch of people that don't know me. And in the case of substitute teaching, don't want to hear what I have to say and still feel comfortable directing them through something. You know, I'm not an introvert. I don't really like most people, but I'm not an introvert. Right. You know what well, I mean? I, I would say that I am. And, I think there's a paragraph in here that is interesting thinking about introverts and podcasting. The paragraph introversion can be an odd place for a podcaster to be as we tend to occupy cultural space somewhere between private content creator and public speaker. In fact, we embody a number of paradoxes. We're demure yet outspoken, shy yet passionate, private yet public. And a lot of people aren't comfortable with paradoxes. And I... I agree with that. I think I see a lot of my own character traits reflected in that article, uh, or in that paragraph, rather. And I think it is interesting to consider this idea that a lot of creative people, especially in podcasting, probably are introverted because it is something that you just can do from home, and while there is an audience, you're not right up in front of them. Like exactly. maybe if you were uh, doing some type of uh, you know performance art, or even if you were on air at a radio station, while I think in that case, the buffer between yourself and your audience is less than maybe if you're producing a podcast because... A lot of radio stations allow people to call in, and that's kind of live, and you know, you you can't necessarily control everything or how people are going to react when they call in. There's still a difference between that and you know deciding that you want to be somebody that goes out and gives a lot of uh, public speaking performances or decides to say become a stand-up comedian or something like that. From that perspective, podcasting is a very good thing to do 
if you are someone who's introverted, but also you feel a need to create something, communicate something, connect with someone else or other people, because it's easier to kind of open up and do your thing. And then, you know, you may get the feedback on the opposite side, you know, when it's all done, but it's all done and people will like it or not. And you kind of move on with your life as opposed to if you're doing something live in right. front of people. Right. Well, I'm going to take a guess here since I said I'm not an introvert. Um, I'm going to guess that people that are introverted possibly have like an interior dialogue going on in their head about yes. what if this person, <laughs> you know, doesn't like what I'm saying? What if I have to defend my argument and they won't listen? What if they don't give me a chance to talk or jump in without interrupting, which you might not be comfortable with, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and have a lot of people... I think especially now when we're so used to communicating through, you know, social media and text mostly um, and, you know, texting people, using messaging apps, stuff like that. There's a whole world of people that are having long, you know, conversations with people they care about in that format. Yeah. When you go face to face, I think there are people that have difficulties that they didn't have Otherwise, so if you're one of those people, you can sit at home with your microphone and your recording software, say what you want to say, and you can play it back. And if it doesn't sound right to you, you can edit it or change it or do whatever you or want. Or just not even release it at all. Or not even release it Delete at all. It. Um, you could do that. You know, uh, you could put it out there and then not allow comments on your blog if you're very concerned. <laughs> you know, you could yeah. do that. Um, and I think it does give a whole group of people that are introverts that don't really feel comfortable the way extroverts do. I don't think yeah. I'm necessarily an extrovert, uh, but I probably lean that way. Yeah. If I were healthier, I would be, you know, because <laughs> um, yeah. I have a lot of issues that keep me at home. But anyway, um, and their health issues, just anyhow. As someone, like I said, who was a substitute teacher for many years, there is a huge difference uh, between, like, I don't think there are too many introverts that are comfortable being a substitute teacher, where you don't yeah, know who you're going to run into, tough. you don't know what kind of arguments yeah, you're going to have good. to uh, you know, settle, um, and you are you don't know what you're going to be asked to do specifically, because you haven't seen the lesson plan, and yeah. you hope there is one, you know what I mean? So you're gonna, you're jumping into something with a lot of, like, a room full of people, um, and you know, you don't know exactly what's going to happen. I think that is possibly what introverts are afraid of. Yeah. And I, I feel like we're, we're really starting to stray away from <laughs> the, maybe the idea of the pod, uh, the article, or maybe we're right on, on topic. I'm not sure anymore, but, but I think that somebody that's listening to this, that is an introvert and thought, Oh, I could never podcast. Yes, you can. Yes, You have a lot of control true. and you can fit it into your comfort zone. The example I keep thinking of is when I was uh, younger, I was uh, a practicing musician. I was playing in bands. I was getting up in front of people. And even though I enjoyed it and I, I miss it, the thing that was always the hardest for me to deal with was when, you know, in between songs, you'd get heckled or, you know, you'd be taking a break and you'd walk off a stage and some guy would run up to you and ask you to, you know, play 15 songs you don't know how to play. And it's hard to look at him and go, well, I'm sorry, I can't really do that for you, but uh, have a good night. I mean, I, I it frustrated me on on a lot of different levels. But ultimately, it had more to do with my 
dealing with it than anything else. And what I've discovered, you know, as I've gotten more in, I mean, it's kind of weird in my own life in that the point at which my being a musician ended and the point at which podcasting took a bigger role kind of are side by side. And in a lot of ways, I've managed to get a lot of what I needed uh, creatively, I guess, out of being a musician and kind of getting that connection with other people through podcasting. And as an introvert, it's just a lot easier to do. And logistically, and a lot of other reasons, it's easier to do as well. So I, I guess I get where this is coming from. And as you said, I guess the big takeaway is, and I feel like we took way too long to get here, but if you are an introverted person... And you think, oh, man, I could never do a podcast. Yes, you can. You absolutely can. And people have managed not only to create podcasts as introverts, but some of them, as this article points out, have had success in terms of uh, finance, career, etc. So there's certainly no guarantee that that will occur to anybody who starts pretty much anything these days. Well, any podcast is kind of a gamble, you know? I mean, really. But but, it's, it's, uh, it's an indicator that it can be done, and mm-hmm. I think we've talked about this long enough. So, Jen, give us our next Okay, item. so the next article is titled A Golden Age for Footballing Audio. And by footballing, since we are Americans, uh, I, I should state say. this is what we would call soccer. This is not written by somebody in America. <laughs> yeah, this is not, you know, footballing is soccer. Um, you know, we would think of football as, as something else. But this yeah. is about soccer, which is called footballing in this article and in many other countries, you know. Yeah. So that's what this is about. And it's it's basically trying to say that, you know, there are, um, you might not expect it, but there are audio podcasts with no video or Shacking. at least presented without video that are about footballing that are about soccer something that is you know you would probably think i'd rather watch it than listen to it but not so (laughs) you know yeah i mean some of them apparently are taking off and it's interesting because without going into this entire article bit by bit um you can find some now that are about your favorite team you know um there's a lot of those out there and there's one they mentioned that are like uh done in spanish Mm mm-hmm because, I mean, I used to play soccer, not obviously not professionally or anything, you know, when I was younger, when I was in middle school and all that, and high school I was kind of involved too. Um, Back when you could still leave the house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And um, when I would watch soccer, you know, on TV, if I could find it, I would watch the Spanish language version because it was so much more interesting. Mm. You know, the announcers were just enthused and exciting. And I'm going to guess you can probably find this in English as well now. But at the time, I mean, that was what I wanted to watch. So there's at least one podcast out there that is done in this in Spanish language about soccer um, out there. But there's others. And, you know, if this is your thing, you can look these up and, and check it out. And it kind of, you know, I it never occurred to me that this was happening. Like, I figured there's probably podcasts about, like, baseball. Right. Sure. Um, and we've seen, you know, the other day we went out to lunch and there was the restaurant had like six TVs and all of them were on different sports, sports channels. Yeah. And it was always like two people talking about sports at each other. You know what I mean? Um, that kind of stuff. That two format. dudes yelling about sports. Usually two dudes. Not always. There was yeah. one where it yeah. was a dude and a woman. Um, but some of the usually it's, it's two dudes yelling yeah. at each other about sports. And you would think that, you know, if soccer was going to have this type of 
sort of extracurricular outside of the game stuff, you know, being produced, that it would be that sort of thing. But there's, there's audio, there's podcasts out there. Too. One of the um, <laughs> things I, I think is interesting and, you know, I'm uh, whatever you want to call the sport. I'm not really into it. I don't know much about it. I've never had a reason to seek out podcasts about it, but I didn't know so there were I, any. I, I can't tell you if these are actually good choices in this article or not. If you're interested in that, we'll have it in the show notes. You can go look it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, the rest are in English. So one of the things I think is funny, the author says an astonishing number of teams in England and elsewhere have fans who produce dedicated, frequently update podcasts. Yeah. As if, you know, the only people that could possibly do that would be the quote-unquote professional, you know, media outlets. One of the uh, one of the podcasts they refer to in here is Football Weekly, produced by The Guardian and hosted by Irresistible mm-hmm. James Richardson. Football Weekly is the gold standard of football podcasting. So, right. Well, the I thing you think you have to watch out for, that, though, is, is like... You can do a show about somebody else's content. Like there's a lot of podcasts about video games. There's a lot of podcasts about TV shows. Um, So there's a lot of podcasts about sports, but you have to be very careful how you present it or at least with like, like with baseball, you know, don't use the baseball logos and stuff and don't don't make it sound like you're actually their official anything. You know, it's, it's important. I don't know what the rules are over, you know, outside of this country. Well, Um, but I would think there'd be some, you know, something going, no, 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 you can't really be the official whatever or, or something like that. But it's just interesting that, you know, if you like soccer or football, as you know, or as the case may be, or footballing, there are podcasts for you. So our next uh, article here is First Columbus Podcast Festival celebrates a scene on the rise. This was written by Claire Roth for WOSU Radio. And we need to point out straight off that this article is a little old in the sense that it was written prior to the Columbus Podcast Festival happening, and we talked about whether or not we should include it, but I thought there was some interesting points here. And the first thing I had to to point out is that this article was uh, originally written and uh, produced by this radio station about podcasting, and my assumption here is that this particular radio station isn't really involved in in the festival. In other words, they don't have a podcast that's involved or they're not involved in any other way. And I thought, hey, that's pretty cool because we, uh, where we live, uh, our local radio market kind of hates podcasts and podcasting. And uh, we know from personal experience that they don't want to talk to us. So pretty much yeah. uh, because for some reason they have it in their head that if, you know, that if they bring podcasters onto their radio station, that they're basically promoting their competition, which is absurd, but that's a whole other story. But I liked this in part because it's focusing on this Columbus podcast festival. And this is the first one of these that they produced. And it's, for now, possibly forever, if it ever comes back, uh, kind of a smaller thing. You know, we have we're 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 definitely now in the rise point where these uh, larger podcast conventions are are starting to take off, and that's great. But for a long time, uh, 
local podcast conventions, uh, typically called podcamps, were somewhat popular, and those have kind of gone by the wayside over the years. And this, to me, feels in some way that it has a lot more of a connection to that than, say, a, a podcast movement or a pod fest. So that's good. And uh, the article covers a, a bunch of different uh, podcasts that are produced in Columbus. And it's funny to think about Columbus, Ohio, because, well, I've never been there. And it just isn't somewhere that I kind of think to myself, oh, well, if there was going to be a, a hotbed of podcasting, I bet it would be in Columbus, Ohio. Now, coincidentally... Uh, Blueberry slash Raw Voice, which is uh, a podcasting company that I happen to work for, is based out of Columbus, but that's purely coincidental. I and don't they're know they're not involved in in this. Yeah, I don't know that Blueberry Raw Voice had any presence at the uh, Columbus podcast. Not that I'm aware of. They're not yeah. mentioned in the article, but I don't know. You know, they they might have uh, had some staff show up and and check things out. But I just liked the approach on this of just kind of talking about you know this for for their area this local podcast festival and that uh more importantly that the the people who chose to put this thing together because it's my understanding that these types of events can be difficult to organize to say the least and i'd also like to say with this like this is in columbus ohio so that's like right, you know, somewhere in the middle of the country, mm -hmm. roughly. Um, if you live near there or in a state nearby, you know, a neighboring state or something, it's going to be a lot easier for you to attend this one than to go to California or to go to New York. True. From like a travel perspective and expense perspective, if you're going to, you know, participate and you want to bring your gear or whatever, you know, it'd be much easier. Um, so I think that's a really good thing to kind of open up that area into, hey, podcasts are done here. You can do it too. Here, meet some people, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, and uh, finally, uh, Jen, can you read the uh, title in our last one, please? Yes, yeah, so the last one is from, well, the title is Meet the Podcasters, Bringing Alcoholics Anonymous into the Digital Age. And this is written by uh, Emmanuel Caviero for Narratively, which I've never heard of before. What a neat Me title. Either. Narratively. It's a good one. Yeah, that's that's kind of pretty. You know? mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway, um, so basically, this is kind of a long article, so I'm going to summarize a little bit here. Yeah. But what you have is, I mean, I think everyone's heard of Alcoholics Anonymous or AA. They've been around for decades. Uh, everybody kind of knows what that is. You may know someone uh, in your life who's benefited from the program. You may yourself have been, or you've probably watched a TV show where a character has yeah. been involved. Um, I'm thinking Mad Men, you know, specifically. <laughs> But um, or rescue me. Yeah, you know, something like that. So you know what this is, basically. And obviously, the key word here is anonymous, where it is kept that people who are involved in the program don't, you know, go and say, Oh, I'm here. And I'm all these other this is the name of the people that were with me, you know, you kind of keep it quiet. So people can get the help they need and build like a community helping them to get, you know, recovery. So you wouldn't think that this would easily relate to podcasting. But sure. here we are. Um, there's a man named Mark. And he has a podcast called Recovered. He calls it the, or it is called, or referred to as an unofficial Alcoholics Anonymous podcast because there right. is no official one. No. And there probably never will be. And he, Mark himself, it has been in Alcoholics Anonymous and his son has as well. And so the podcast is kind of 
his own way of taking Alcoholics Anonymous and putting it online for people to reach that maybe can't get to a physical meeting or aren't comfortable with it or, you know, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And he does some of the things that you would do at AA through the, through that. Um, it is kept anonymous, um, you know, that kind of, that kind of thing. And I thought that was interesting because I've never heard of someone taking one of these AA type programs and doing a podcast about it and still being able to remain anonymous. A lot of 12 step programs do publish, a certain amount of audio online, but it's rare that it comes from, I guess what you would say, an official source. And for those that don't know, the the way that a lot of 12-step programs work is they really are grassroots in the sense that you, you know, anybody can pretty much start a 12-step group anywhere. They don't need to, you know, call somebody. Uh, they don't need to, you know, fill out a form or file a petition they can just do it, and there are going to be some requirements if they want to, say, get listed in official meeting lists and stuff like that, but what I see of this podcast is kind of an extension of that, and what I like about it and what I wish we could talk about more in podcasting in general is this is a kind of of not exactly activism, but producing these podcasts that are are profiled in this article, these podcasters are providing a service for people that really need it in a lot of different ways. And due to the nature of the way a 12-step program works and the anonymity involved, you can't really do this as a way to generate fortune and fame for yourself. In fact, it's probably one of the worst things to do if that's your end goal. So I like that something has been written about podcasting from this angle because most of the time the focus is... Well, how do I make more money? How do I get more followers? And these podcasts can't really even operate that way. Now, I don't know if any of them are, you know, running Patreons or something to help cover the the cost, but if they were, that would actually be kind of allowable under the way most 12-step groups work because they do take donations to cover things like rent and other expenses. So from that perspective, it, it's even kind of okay. But I thought that this was a good article, and I liked, again, that this was a, a good profile of these podcasters that are doing these things that we always say, which is, you know, podcast what you're into, podcast what your passion is, be yourself, be authentic, and I can't imagine that these shows are anything other than that. And by just doing that, they're automatically also helping other people who are probably having trouble in the same way. And that's you, you just kind of let it go after that. You don't then turn around and go, oh, by the way, here's my PayPal. I need all your money. 
Right. So that's, I just well, like I that. think that would be, you know, if I think this recovered podcast, if that's the right name, recovered, I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was kind of framed in the way of a meeting. Yeah. You know, so you wouldn't have that in a meeting. So you wouldn't have that in a podcast that's really framing itself that way, you know? And uh, one of the things that I thought was curious from this article, and they do bring it up, that in, in a way, you know, the Al- AA, it stands for Alcoholics Anonymous, but in a way, these podcasters are doing the exact opposite of that. They are kind of putting themselves out there, but still they are maintaining their anonymity within kind of the guidelines of how 12-step programs work because, again, as the article even says, the the host of the Recovered podcast, in the article, he only goes by his first name as he does in the show, as you would if he, you know, as you as he would if he had gone to an AA meeting. Right, and photos of him do not include his face. Sometimes it's a silhouette yeah. or sometimes the photo is cropped so you can't really see who this is, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, unless you know him personally, you probably wouldn't know that kind of thing. So that works. And somewhere in here, there's another podcast. Like, there's another podcaster that I think um, a couple other podcasters doing other shows and things like that. And I can't remember which one it was, but somewhere in here, somebody said that their show was uh, attracting people who were like drivers. Yeah, you know, like long, you know, like truck yeah. drivers, long distance that needed this program but didn't really have any way to access one because of their job and the way that works. And another point that almost, you know, every now and then on Podcast or News Show, we have these kind of serendipitous moments. And I think we almost got one here in the sense that one of the points that comes up in this article is that, you know, a lot of younger people, say in their 20s, who are more, they're just more comfortable kind of doing things digitally, consuming podcasts, listening on their own, or, you know, going to online meetings and being in kind of online groups. They don't necessarily want to go to face to face meetings, which kind of ties into the whole introversion thing we right. talked about mm-hmm. earlier a little bit. Yeah. But again, it's another example of how they're doing this podcast and it's kind of reaching people at a whole other level and it's happening just because they're doing the podcast. Right. Yeah. And I think with that too, like it's my understanding that with there's various, like there's Alcoholics Anonymous and there's others, you know, of this type. Um, But with any of those, the idea is if you are struggling, you go find a meeting or you have a sponsor and you contact that person Um, with this, a person that's struggling and is in a location where there aren't any meetings could listen to a podcast and maybe get yes. some help from that. Yeah. That's, right at that second. That's, that's good too. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think uh, we've talked about this one enough. Do you have any uh, closing thoughts on anything we've gone over today, Jen? Not really. I think we covered it all. All right. Well, this has been Podcaster News Show. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us online at podcasternews.com and we'd love to get your feedback. And I think uh, very soon-ish, hopefully, uh, maybe we'll work on getting some kind of an email address for this show because we've really not given out much in the way of of contact information. But you can go to the website. You can leave a comment there, and uh, we would greatly appreciate it. So with that, uh, thank you again for listening. And with any luck, we'll be back with you in a couple weeks. Bye, people.